Hi, my name is Joe Hancock, founder of His Vessel Ministries, and your host for Becoming His Vessel podcast. Often say in this thing called life, I may not always get it right, but my heart is to get it right. So my heart's desire is that this would be a resource for me as well as you, that we would be formed by God's Word, filled with Father God, and just poured out for His glory, truly becoming His vessel. I've been thinking a lot lately about my testimony, my testimony of Jesus. What's my life like? What does it say to other people? What does it reflect? Does it reflect the Word? Or does it reflect my flesh, myself? Does it reflect the world around me, my culture? And, you know, there are times I I think about that and I think, well, I'm doing pretty good spiritually. I'm walking out my faith. I'm staying strong, steady. I mean, I read my Bible. I pray. I give to charities. I fast to humble myself before God. I go to church. I serve others. You know, all those things that we can look and we go down the list and we check them off and they look good, they sound good, and they make us look good. And I oftentimes look at other Christians. I look to the left, I look to the right, and I think, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing pretty good. I look okay until this morning when I was in my prayer closet. And I began to read Proverbs. And as I began to read some in Proverbs, I tell you, I was so convicted. It was like I could not get low enough. And I thought, you know what? I need to reevaluate my testimony. I'm not quite as good as I think I am. In fact, I may be a stumbling block to others around me. I may be keeping others from turning to righteousness. You know what I want to do in this podcast? I want to just point out just a few Proverbs that, that I read today and thought about and pondered that really convicted me. And I want to encourage you to stay with me through this because I think it's really going to help us. The first one is Proverbs 28, 9. It says, one who turns his ear away from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Now, that one jumped off the page at me. In fact, that was the very first proverb that I read that really put me on to the idea of talking to you today about some of this. And when I read that, I thought, Father, there are times that my prayers could be an abomination to you. And what you're saying, Lord, is that if I turn my ear away from your word, that I don't want your word, I don't read your word, I don't desire your word, I don't hunger for your word, and then I come to you and I pray and I give you my to-do list, things I need you to do, and then I run about my day. You're saying that my prayers... Even the ones that are given in good faith, they could be an abomination. Yes, that's what that proverb is saying. It's saying that God wants us to always have our heart turned toward Him and turn to the Word. 
And that when we don't give attention to that word, I mean, we can become spiritually sick, even as Christians. And then our prayers become an abomination. I had to look that word up to be sure I understood what the scripture was saying. And it means an extreme hatred, a defilement, disgust. And I thought, oh, Father, forgive me. The days that I didn't want to read your word. And that when I picked up your word, maybe I just would read enough to satisfy myself that I was in the word. And yet you're telling me that when I'm not turning my ear toward your word, when I'm not giving your word attention in my heart, you're saying that I come to you and pray and my prayer could be a disgust. And you know what? This just confirmed to me so many times in our prayer closet how God does delight that when we open up the Word of God and we just start to read the Word of God. Hey, you may be sitting around in your home, maybe out to lunch one day and you've got some quiet time and you want to read your Bible. We sit and we read the Word of God and we humble ourselves so that God can speak to us. And in humility, God is delighted in that. But even more, God wants us to read the Word so we know His will, so then our prayers can reflect His will. And there are many days when I'm reading the Word of God, and I'm just reading through the Bible with no intent to find a word, but a word will like jump off the page at me and I will know instantly that's God's will for me to pray that scripture for so-and-so or into such particular matters. And so I begin to pray that word specifically for a person or for a situation, a thing. You know, maybe you have someone in your home, your family, someone around you that they ignore reading the word of God. They don't have a hunger for the word. They're satisfied, go to church on Sunday, they hear a sermon, the word that's spoken through that sermon, that satisfies them, that's enough for them. I want to encourage you, pray for them by name, and pray this proverb that God would give them a hunger, that God would cause them to turn to the word, that they would delight in God's word. I, there's a scripture that I often pray, Jeremiah 15, 16. If you've ever been around me much when I pray, I pray this so many times. It was what Jeremiah prayed. He said, thy words were found, and I did eat them. And God's word became the joy. It became the rejoicing of my life. Many times I pray that scripture for others. That God, would you give them such a hunger that they go searching for the word like a treasure. And when they find it, they eat it, they ingest it, they take it in. And as they take it in, it'll turn their lack of contentment into joy. It'll turn their face to rejoicing just for finding the word and taking in the word of God. Another proverb that I landed on this morning was Proverbs 8, 13. It says, A perverse mouth God hates. Proverbs 4, 24, He said, Put it away from you. 
God doesn't just hate it. He said, put it away from you. And I wonder, are you noticing like I am noticing today the language that people are using? There is so much foul language that it's almost become our casual conversation, normal in our social and public conversations. It is absolutely amazing to me how some foul language, vulgar language, has become as common and simple as drinking a glass of water. I mean, conversations are becoming dark. And I tell you, when we use such perverse, foul, vulgar language, I believe it speaks volumes to what's in our heart. Because where's that word coming from? It's coming out of the heart. I mean, you turn on the television today or you turn on the radio just to listen to get some news. And it's so common for news commentators, journalists, as well as commentators to use these four-letter words. Adolescents, they just speak it. Well, we know they've heard it from somewhere. They're being taught this. Ball teams, they use it like drinking Gatorade. And I tell you, I believe that perhaps some of it comes from a root of pride because it makes us feel better, makes us feel good. Maybe it makes us fit in. We don't feel as rejected when we're using those four-letter words. I even hear leaders, governmental leaders, so common in their conversations today, using a perverse mouth, a vulgar mouth, and not even thinking, does it offend someone? Does it insult someone? It's so casual. And it's used so casually today in all settings, out in the public, in the government, in our businesses, and with families that we find it acceptable. And how do I know? Because people very seldom apologize for using vulgar language, a foul mouth, obscene words. You know, we're in the South. I was raised in the South. A man, when I was coming up, used to, he would never think about using foul language around a woman. And if he let one slip, he would apologize. He recognized that it was wrong. Someone who wasn't a Christian, they knew they were around someone that was a Christian. If they let a bad word slip out of their mouth, they would stop and say, oh, please, excuse me. I'm so sorry. Why? Even they recognized that it was wrong. I remember one time being in a court hearing in the judge's chambers. And the judge became furious, and he just started cussing. And then all of a sudden, he stopped, and he apologized. He apologized to me. Now, Joe, and then he proceeded to justify why he needed to talk the way he was talking. He and I attended church together. Even he knew that that was not right. You know, I look at Ephesians 4.29, and it is such instruction to us. It's very clear. It says, do not let unwholesome, what is that? Foul, vulgar, profane words come out of your mouth. This speech has no good. We need to be speaking words that are going to lift people up. We want to speak words that are going to bless other people. But today, this foul, worthless, profane words, they've become normal. It's as if Ephesians 4.29 has just been scratched out, doesn't apply to us today. But our normalcy has so escalated to a new level of obscenity 
that it has even passed what we used to call the four-letter words. I'm reminded of a Supreme Court case, and they're often challenged with this issue of trying to define what is obscene. Where do we draw the line? Because we know we've got the Constitution, we have the right to free speech. But where do we draw the line between immoral and this wicked behavior and the right to say whatever we want to say. Well, we as Christians, we shouldn't need the Supreme Court to define that for us. In our heart should be the Word of God. In our heart should be the words that please God. And those words should be what we use and what should come out of our mouth to communicate to other people. I remember a court case was back in the 60s where Supreme Court Justice Stewart was in his opinion, asked to define obscenity. He said, I sure can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Well, I tell you today, we ought to know when we hear obscene words, foul words, words that are not wholesome, words that tear down and do not build up. And we as Christians, we should say it's unacceptable. But you see, the more we accept it, I believe the more acceptable our words, the more acceptable our behavior. In fact, let me tell you why I get to this. Because there is one risque four-letter word that is becoming so common in our public arena today that it causes me to wonder, is it really the reflection of our society and where we are? And that one risque word, I'm not even going to say it, not even going to give you the first letter to it, but the true meaning of the word relates to sexual matters. And I believe it reflects a strong character of our nation today. People are using it just like drinking water. It's used in all circles of society today. It's used in the schools at all levels of the schools, business leaders, government leaders, people who demand our respect because of who they are in leadership in our government, yet they use this word. And many of them use it so common today and probably don't even notice how often they speak like this. But I tell you, Father, God notices and he's given us instructions about it. In Ephesians 5, 3, and 4, it says, as Christians, believers, this is who the scripture's talking to, we're to put away sexual immorality and all moral impurity. We shouldn't even have a hint of that kind of behavior reflected in our lives. And then the next verse And we're not to let any filthiness, any silly talk, any obscene, vulgar talk come out of our mouth. Why? It's not appropriate for believers. That's what Scripture says. And listen, that is true today. Why? Because God's Word never changes. And you know what I see right here in these two verses talking about these two behaviors together? These obscene sexually related words that are being used as common and normal today, I believe they're planting filth in the mind and the people. And I believe it's filth for people to ponder on. I believe it's a trick of the enemy. This one four-letter word that relates to sexual matters, the enemy can use that 
to entice someone or compel someone into various forms of sexual perversion. Because you see, what you hear, you begin to think on. And what you begin to think on and ponder, the enemy uses that to entice you into that immoral behavior. You see, we've got a pornography problem in our nation today. And I wonder, is there a correlation between the heightened use of pornography and the heightened use of this one four-letter sexually explicit word? I'm just asking the question. What about the acceptability? The more we accept it and use this sexually explicit foul word is the more that we're accepting pornography as normal. How much of our decay in our nation is related to obscenity? How much of it is related to words? See, words mean something. Words have an effect. We talked about this in the last podcast. Never underestimate the power of obscene words. And God's word has instructed us. 1 Peter 1.15 God's holy. He's called us to be holy. So we're to be holy in all of our conduct. What does that mean? Set apart. And that all of our conduct should reflect holiness, godly character, moral courage. It doesn't matter if it becomes normal in your circle where you work. It doesn't matter if it becomes normal in people that are put in positions of authority in our government, in our society. For God, as Christians, we're to be holy. That's our standard. We're to be set apart from it. And I believe we're not to accept it. I tell you for myself, when talk like that starts where I am, I just excuse and remove myself. And I just say, Lord, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. Now, I'm not judging. Please don't misunderstand me. Another proverb, Proverb 20, 27. It says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching and examining all the innermost parts of his being. What is that saying? It's saying that man's spirit, the heart, your heart, is like God's flashlight. And God takes that flashlight and he looks around inside the heart to see what's there. Just recently, I had a problem with my fire stick on my TV. It was a connection problem. I couldn't use it, wouldn't turn on. Well, for a few days it didn't bother me because it's not a big deal if I don't have the TV. And so I just put it aside for several days and didn't look at it. Finally, I pulled out the TV, pulled out the back of the TV. I was going to find out what was going on with the connection. And I did. It was dark. I couldn't see. So then I had to get the flashlight. I had to get the flashlight out. I'm trying to hold the TV where I've got it pulled out. I didn't want to drop the TV in the middle of the floor. And so I got it cattywampused. I'm hanging on to it, got the flashlight. I'm trying to see in the dark. Why did I need this flashlight? Because I needed to see. And I needed to see in the dark what was really the problem. You know, that's what that scripture says to me. God just pulls out the flashlight, what? The word. He puts the word in front of us. And that word reflects the desire of God. And it reflects, shows any darkness in our heart. God's flashlight, he puts it on the innermost being 
of our heart. And many times for me, that flashlight points right to the need of what I need to be examining. Proverbs 3, 27. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when you have the power to do it. Do you know what God wants us to do? We're to encourage other people. We're to build people up. We're to give affirmation. We're to come along beside people and help pick them up. And many times, people just need a word. They need us to speak to them. When they've done something good, give affirmation. But I wonder how many times we've fallen short of this proverb and we didn't do that when we knew to do it out of maybe a heart that God sees that isn't just right, that we didn't tell that person they did a really good job or something to esteem them and because we have jealousy. We were jealous of it. We were envious. And so by withholding that good, it's like I'm going to punish them. I'm going to let them know I'm not even going to acknowledge that they did good or that they should be spoken highly of in that matter. Could be competition. We get in a competitive mode, and so we just withhold speaking something good to someone. Even though we've got the ability to do it, we've got the power to do it, and we should do it. We know the Holy Spirit is telling us to do it, and yet we don't. And then sometimes it can just absolutely be pride because we want to make ourselves look better. And as long as we withhold good, telling something good, speaking good to somebody that's rightfully due a word of encouragement or affirmation, it's wrong. Or we just don't take the time. It could be that we're not jealous or envious a bit. We're not prideful. We know to speak it. We just don't take the time to speak it. We think about it, but we just don't do it. God says don't withhold that. Do it. Follow through. And this leads me to another proverb that I read. Proverb 10, 7. The memory of the righteous person is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will be forgotten and rot. The amplification there is rot like a corpse. That really made me stop and think, God, how do I, I want to be a righteous person. My heart is to be righteous. I don't always get it right, as I said, but I want to. And God knows that. There are times I fall short of God's glory. But don't we all want to be remembered as a righteous person? And that just that memory is a blessing. We do. We all want to be remembered like that. We all want to be spoke well of. I wonder today what we're doing, tomorrow what we choose to do. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want your family to speak about you, your friends, your community to speak about you? What kind of footsteps are you leaving for your family, for your children, your family members? They're all watching you. I think about that all the time. My children, my grandchildren, they're watching me. And then I think about even the remembrance of what I do and what I say, even when I least 
and pondering it. It may be those things that I do that are righteous, that my family or my community, my friends see, that they remember. And just the remembrance of that, even when I'm long gone, may cause them to one day escape the snare of the enemy just because they saw me choosing to do righteous. Or it may cause them one day to long to live righteous. Long after I'm gone. Long after you're gone. So I wonder, are we, me, you, are we given a remembrance of the word? Hey, how to live. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take out Proverbs. And begin to read a few Proverbs each day or, you know, read a few each week, whatever your time allows. And then underline the Proverbs that God shines a light on. He takes that flashlight and he points them out to you as you're reading. As if to say, pay attention here. I want to speak to you here. And then pray it. Pray that proverb over your life and ask God to give you the grace to line up with it, to live it, to obey that word. So not just to read it, but you want to take it in. You want it to become your life. You know what? I believe each one of us could help change our culture. Some of the things I've addressed today, we could impact our culture if we chose to do this. Just because God's Word says it. The world may all be looking different, but Proverbs says do this. Yes, Lord, that's what I'm going to commit to doing. You could change things beginning at your home, your family, and then extending out to your community where you are. I'd love to hear from you to see how Proverbs is changing your life because I will tell you, It is sure convicting, and as I obey, it's changing my life. Thank you for listening to the Becoming His Vessel podcast. If you'd like to receive more resources that would help guide you in becoming His Vessel, I invite you to visit our website at www.hisvessel.org. If you'd like to connect with me directly, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me by calling 334-356-4478. And my prayer is that you would seek to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength as you seek to become His vessel.